Welcome to the Code Life Podcast with me, Carl Beach, and my great mate, Nathan Blackaby. Hello, mate. So we're at the uh, St George Hotel in Landudno, and uh, you might be able to hear a little bit of piano music in the background. This is not a regular feature of the podcast. No. Why are we here, mate? Uh, so we are launching the Code Tour X11. Yep. Which is obviously based around the Code, the brand new second version we've produced this year and we've put on these code events so it's a Monday or Tuesday night some of them are Tuesdays uh, two hours and it's basically let's fill a venue with a load of cool stuff motorbikes motorbikes barber, barber yeah. <laughs> live music bacon rolls good <laughs> mug of tea some weights just whatever we can for a bit of yeah. fun yeah. and then in that arena we are going to be talking about what it's like to follow Jesus with the code and authentic Christian living um, cool, eh? So, yeah, I've actually hand, got that X11 is representing the 12, the yeah. 12 codes of the code, which I have a tattoo of on my back. You do, mate, yeah, you do. Mm. You're branded. So, you branded. drove over here. I got the train, you drove. drove what did yeah. you drive? I drove here in my new to me modern Japanese classic Toyota Celica. Mm. Red, leather, mate. Mate, 115,000 miles on the clock. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, it feels very low to the ground. Low, mate. It's also got to feel like a fighter pilot. So describe it. Describe it. You've seen it. So, it, to me, the red is still very vibrant and red. Yeah. For a, I mean, what we're talking about. Because I can go year old cup. 20, mate. 20-year-old cup. Yeah. The leather inside isn't, you know, when it's kind of worn and the side of the chair bolsters all flat. And yeah. It's not like that. Yeah. Uh, it's shiny leather. It's yeah. got that shiny got a bit of a patina. It has. Well, it's Cassette recorder type thing, tape yeah. there. But it's got, it's got a, Quite a air conditioning. retro... Yeah, it's like yeah. a retro sports car, isn't it? Yeah. It a retro is. coupe. And is it a 1.8? 1.8, yeah, VTEC. So 1 to 6, 8.7 seconds. Not bad, not bad. Manual 5 speed. Yeah, but it's a hand 6. Okay. Ahead of its time. Run touch, uh, sunroof, tilt and slide. Nice. Electric mirrors, uh, climate control. Nice. Cassette deck. Got it all. <laughs> I, there's something about it. Uh, there is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's a throwback. I like it. I've, yeah. I've been looking now, at it. if you want to know if I wanted a oh, Supra, yeah. it's the next one up. Yeah. 30 grand. That, 500 quid. <laughs> Says it all. But it's got, um, but actually, 500 quid book price, but I've got it for pretty much, like the cost of the uh, new exhaust system. Amazing, mate. So, but the, uh, I've got every receipt from the day it was handed, uh, delivered to the first owners of Turners. And I know, I know one of them, who's had it for years, he's a town planning inspector, and the previous no. one was like accountant or something. So, so basically, it's been fastidiously looked after. Um, uh, it looks it, it's mint. So what's the plan? Are you going to keep it standard, or are you going to do some upgrades? <laughs> right, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to put, I'm going to get an Apple Air, because the cassette deck is quite big, mm. and it's quite a big space, so I'm going to get an Apple AirPlay uh, system in there, Bluetooth, mm. and um, and keep the original cassette CD player. So you can put it back? Put it back, yeah. yeah. That's the only mod I'm going to make. Because really? there's something about, I do think about chipping it, but there is something about keeping a car like that yeah. as it is I mean you said the alloys have been refurbished the yeah. brakes have been rebuilt it looks good man. oh it's really amazing good. yeah it's sweet yeah, it does if you follow me on Facebook I've got a beautiful picture of it in the in Aberdeenshire yes and I've been looking at the Honda Civic Type R and I know you, you need one. we both need classics we in our life we need one it's like two grand I mean there's different sorts of classics there's a mother-in-law then a decent Japanese modern sports car I do need a Honda Type R VTEC no I've owned one of them I wrote it off 
Yeah, I, don't I love them. I, am, I'm, I need to talk to Jen. See if I can get it to happen. So look, the Civ, the uh, Celica, you can get them between five hundred and two grand. But my ultimate plan is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep. Well, the thing is, I was gonna keep this for a year or two, yeah. then do the sort of five grand Porsche box to S experiment. That's cool. But, but I'm loving it. I it love that car. You. It does suit you. Yeah, I think it's a nice car. And it looks cool, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, actually, it's got. Yeah. yeah, and they handle like. Amazing. I remember the marketing of the Celica, and it was like this guy blacksmith forging this train track, and it was like the Celica has like it's on rails. It's very it cool. Like um, uh, Hammond on the uh, Top Gear, we, yeah. you can look up the review on um, YouTube, and it, the um, his review like this car's amazing. Just loved it. And the thing is, it's twenty years old, one hundred fifteen thousand miles. I think it's only two hundred fifty thousand miles. That's low mileage. I think someone paid like. Tens of thousands oh, yeah. of pounds that car oh, yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. And there's me, for the price of an exhaust tube. <laughs> Driving it around. Yeah. That's the cool Love thing it. about it. No, even like the, the gear stick, it's got like all the stitching in it and it's all slightly worn away. Is it? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Anyway, more important, anything off that. I thought we would um, talk about um, this amazing incident in Dunkirk. Mm. Obviously, the film came out yep. uh, by Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Uh, I think it's on Netflix now. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, amazing. But what people don't know about this event, and um, it's not really referred to much in the film, if at all. What people don't realise is that King George VI actually called for a national day of prayer as Dunkirk unfolded. Now, wow. I just watched Darkest Hour about Churchill. Yeah. And uh, that's amazing. That talks about a Dunkirk evacuation. But it more focuses on Churchill's focused military genius. Yeah. Because uh, he was the one who called for this operation. Actually, Churchill looked at the map and thought, this is what we've got to do. Yeah. You need to see Darkest Hour. What a film. I still haven't seen it. Uh, mate, me and Spots together. Let's get pizza, oh, beers, and watch. That's a Maybe good night. Maybe a the rosé. I'll watch it for the third time with you, my friend. You, you have told me it's a good film. Yeah, I'll watch it for the third time. Come on. <laughs> right, so King George VI, who was a friend of Churchill, they became friends, uh, called for a day of prayer. So here we go, a little bit of background. Um, so, um, basically the British Army, the expeditionary forces at Dunkirk, um, this is reading from an account by a man called David E. Gardner. It says, May 1940 was the time of grave crisis for the British Empire and for the whole civilised world. On 10th of May, Hitler had launched his blitzkrieg against the Low Countries and France. And by the end of the second week in May, the French defences had been broken. Yeah. German Panzer forces led by Rommel and his 7th Panzer Division had burst through lightning speed they had a rapid advance against France. And very soon, Rommel's armoured pincer movement was threatening the British Army with encirclement. Our forces were being obliged to withdraw. Back at home, Mr Churchill feared that it would be his hard lot to announce the greatest military disaster in our long history. And the German High Commander went so far as to boast the British Army is encircled and our troops are proceeding to its annihilation. Hmm. But Britain had a godly sovereign. Seeing the situation developing, His Majesty King George VI requested that Sunday the 26th of May should be observed as a national day of prayer. So the whole nation was at prayer on that Sunday. And it says here, back to the article, the scene outside Westminster Abbey was remarkable. Photographs showed long queues of people who couldn't even get in. The abbey was so crowded, much so much so that the following morning the Daily Sketch exclaimed, 
Nothing like this has ever happened before. Mm. In his hour of deep distress, a heart cry from both Monarch and people alike was going up to God in prayer. And that cry did not go unanswered. For very soon, at least three miracles were seen to happen. So what we're going to do now is talk through these three miracles. Okay. The first miracle. This is cool. I've never known about this. this. You're going to love this one. Go on. The first miracle. The first was that for some reason, which has never yet been fully explained, Mm. Hitler overruled his generals and halted the advance of his armoured columns at the very point when they could have annihilated the British army. They were only ten miles away. Later, Mr Churchill asserted in his memoirs that this was because Hitler undoubtedly believed that his air superiority would be sufficient to prevent a large-scale evacuation by sea. That is very significant in terms of the second miracle. Right. The second miracle. Yeah. A storm, a storm of unprecedented fury broke out over Flanders on Tuesday, the 28th of May 1940, grounding the German Luftwaffe squadrons and enabling the British Army formations, now 8 to 12 miles from Dunkirk, to move up on foot to the coast in darkness of the storm and the violence of the rain with no interruption from enemy aircraft, which were unable to operate in turbulent conditions. The Fuhrer had obviously not taken the weather into his reckoning, nor the one who controls the weather. Come on. And the third miracle. That's cool. Despite the storm in Flanders, so get this, there's a storm, like calm weather, and then suddenly it's raging storm. The generals announced they had encircled the British army and annihilated it. Hitler yeah. says, we'll let the aircraft do it. But there's a storm raging. But a great calm such as never been experienced settled over the English Channel during the days which followed, <laughs> and its waters became as still as a mill pond. In this quite extraordinary calm, enabled a vast armada of little ships, big ships, warships, privately owned motor cruisers from British rivers and estuaries, in fact, almost anything that would float, to ply back and forth in a desperate bid to rescue as many ships as possible. There are so many ships involved in the evacuation, this is the way in which Douglas Bader, the legless Spitfire fighter race, sped over his squadrons, described the, <coughs> described the scene in Fight for the Sky, the sea from Dunkirk to Dover during those days of the evacuation, it looked like any coastal road in England on a bank holiday. It was solid with shipping. One felt one could walk across without getting one's feet wet. Well, that what it looked like from the air. There were naval escort vessels, sailing dinghies, rowing boats, paddle steamers, <laughs> indeed every floating device known in this country. They were all taking British soldiers from Dunkirk back home. You could identify Dunkirk from the Thames Estuary by the huge pool wow. of black smoke rising straight up into the windy sky from the oil tanks which were ablaze as inside armour. And yet, to the very large extent, the German Air Force could not intervene because they couldn't take off. That is amazing. Yeah, so it's calm over the channel. I would have had a field day. The marginal miracles. Go on. Back to the article. A strange immunity. Even though some squadrons did get through, it seems that another miracle happened. Many of the troops on the beach were favoured with strange immunity. When about 400 men were being machine-gunned and bombed systematically by 60 enemy aircraft, one man who flung himself down with the rest reported that after the strafing was over, he was amazed to find... There was not one single casualty. Another man, a chaplain, was likewise machine-gunned and bombed as he lay on the beach. After what seemed an eternity, he realised he had not been hit, and rose to his feet, 
to find that the sand all around where he had been lying was pretty with bullet holes in the outline of his figure. No. <laughs> that is unreal. <laughs> and after that, they had a day of national Thanksgiving. And as you know, um, uh, Churchill thought we might be able to get 20 or 30,000 men out. They got 335,000 back. Wow. And Psalm 124 was sung in the churches in a celebration after. Wow. <laughs> Mate, that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Conclude what you like. But these, this is not fanciful accounts. These, these are testified uh, accounts. The, the weather, uh, the strange immunity, the uh, grounding of the, well, the, the halting of the advance. Yeah. The nation was called to prayer, and God intervened. That's interesting. That, <laughs> I've not, uh, not thought about that before. Not heard that account. Because there is, I mean, there is power in prayer, and we hear that. We, yeah, in our God takes sides. Is a, I mean, yes. But but but, <laughs> but the side would be the side of peace in this example, wasn't yeah. it? It wasn't about. We only us we did we tried there. not to go to war. Yeah. We didn't want to go to war. Yeah. But just fascinating, isn't it? I mean, this, this is the untold story of Dunkirk. Yeah. But I think, in conclusion, what it says is, you're up against it. And you and I have been talking earlier about yeah, yeah. stuff we've got going on in, in our lives. When we pause and we pray, mm. and you hand things over to God, you might have to do your thing, but God intervenes. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. Yeah. You have to hand things over to God. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel was a man of prayer, wasn't he? By the river Tigris. Just kept praying. 28 days, was it? Whatever. Then he, why, then he said, the Lord, what I love about the Daniel one, this is just from memory, uh, which is Daniel 10, he goes, um, uh, the, the Archangel Michael appears, then he yeah. goes, Daniel, I'll do the Essex version. Go on. He goes, listen, my old mate. Yeah, Daniel. No, no, listen, Danny boy. Like, we heard you when you first started praying. It's such an insight. Yeah. But I was delayed by the Prince of Persia. We heard you, Same. but I was delayed. Yeah. But um, I'm here now. Oh, are we going to help? It's amazing spiritual. Yeah, so what is like, so Prince of Persia, uh, Prince of Persia, he's like yeah. this demonic prince yeah, over yeah. the new continent. So Daniel, like, and Daniel's playing, your archangels are duffing up the demons. Breaking like, through. Yeah, we heard you, but we were delayed. Now we're here. We're sorting these out. And the day you started praying, so we like do a prayer, we're like, oh, I've done a prayer. No, no, you're pushing, you're pushing, you keep praying. You don't know what's going on, do you? So, so let's make this ultra practical. Why is prayer sometimes so hard? Especially, oh. and, and we've been chatting, when you are literally at your worst. The devil wants to stop us, doesn't he? Because it's a relationship with God, isn't it? Yeah. He wants to break that relationship. Yeah, he wants to stop us, doesn't he? So what we're saying is, guys, if you're listening, <clears throat> and we don't normally address guys listening, but when the fire is the hottest, that's the time to be praying. That's the time to be praying. Might have to Because this picks up everything. Let me check the time on that. 15 minutes. So we're talking very real. <laughs> I might do a little edit to that. Um, so guys, what we're saying is, when the fire is the hottest, 
sometimes it can be the hardest points to pray. Yeah. Or pick the phone up and say, mate, will you pray for me? Pray for you, yeah, I'm struggling there. But that's, that's the reality, and prayer does work, actually. But, yeah, that's where we're at. Well, I hope you guys are inspired by that. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.